This is Clutch Fans. By the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. As uh, usual, when I uh, start a podcast, I let you know it's been a while, and it definitely has. Uh, so thanks for listening, and uh, I'm excited. I mean, right now, it's a, it's just a great time to be a Rocket fan, frankly. Uh, Rockets have won eight of their last nine. They're uh, just having a historically great season, 38-13 and 13 record, um, and things are clicking right now. They're coming off, uh, they're on the heels of... Uh, Big road wins in San Antonio and at Cleveland, which was just a rout uh, over LeBron James and the Cavs. Right now, th- things just look terrific for the Houston Rockets. If they were, you know, not playing in a in a world in a league that had the Golden State Warriors, that this if this team hadn't didn't exist as uh, as it's currently structured, um, the Rockets would be the clear favorites, in my opinion, to to win it all. It, but right now we're we're loving life as far as the way the Rockets are playing and um, what we hope will be a great Western Conference Finals that they'll get there and, and be able to face the Golden State Warriors. But uh, it's a it's a big time right now as well for uh, on the site. That's the trade deadline, which is this Thursday, um, coming up at two o'clock Central Time. Um, the the last time for NBA teams to make trades to improve their roster, and this is a time that Daryl Morey is always busy. Uh, as well as uh, another guy that we know is always busy, and that's our resident capologist, David Wiener. You know him on the board as Bema Thug and on Twitter as Bema Thug. Uh, David, thanks so much for doing this with me. My pleasure as always, Dave. You know, uh, I, I t- you know, mentioned the trade deadline, and that's that's what we're we're up against now. And this is really an interesting one because Daryl Morey has a has built a great team. I think Chris Paul and James Harden are working probably as well as he envisioned, if not better. Um, and this is a time when you think he would be actively trying to acquire somebody, as he did last year to get Lou Williams, uh, to bolster the roster, to, to better his chances of beating the Warriors uh, in the playoffs. Um, and yet he's handcuffed in, in some uh, in some form or fashion here because of something that the team could never acknowledge publicly, but everybody knows is, is going to happen. And that's that they're going to pursue LeBron James um, this summer. And it's interesting how this basically colors everything that they can do right now. They can't really give up assets. They can't really take on salary, but yet they need to try to improve the roster. How do you see LeBron James right now sort of hanging over uh, you know, even that, that may be an unlikely acquisition, it's still something that's hanging over the team uh, yet here in the 2018 trade deadline. Sure. So, uh, you know, first things first, as you said to lead off, uh, the Rockets are in a really good place right now with the team that they're fielding uh, night in and night out. So from a trade deadline perspective, 
there are very few trades out there that would improve this team. And uh, they may not uh, want to mess with the chemistry uh, and with the players that they're putting out there right now, especially when they get Eric Gordon and Trevor Ariza back. They just have a, a terrific rotation, uh, you know, one through 10, uh, maybe even one through 11, uh, have, have as, as good a roster as the side of Golden State. Um, so from that perspective, you know, it's, it's not particularly likely they're going to make any major moves to begin with. But then when you add to that the specter of LeBron James and, and the Rockets pursuing, uh, pursuing him this summer, uh, it, it adds another element. Um, it, it, and, you know, first things first, you know, probably the worst contract on the team right now would be Ryan Anderson. So I think it's pretty clear. Um, and even though he's a good fit with this roster and it just so happens as we're taking this podcast, he's, he's in a, having a good stretch of, of play right now. Uh, but he's been pretty pretty inconsistent overall this season. And, you know, all things equal, if the Rockets could, could upgrade the Ryan Anderson position in a, in a vacuum, they would do that. But because they're going to go after LeBron this summer, it makes things a lot more difficult. Um, to move a contract like Ryan Anderson's would, requ- would require a lot of additional assets going out the door. Um, to, uh, I guess the closest comparison would be uh, last summer, the Toronto Raptors moved um, Damari Carroll's contract. He had two years remaining on his deal, and he's only making about $15 million a year. And they needed to move a first-rounder and a second-rounder to get off of Carroll's contract. Anderson has a bigger contract, and depending on what you think of the two players, I don't know how if the size outweighs the you know, the, the, the caliber of player, you know, most teams are going to probably be looking at two first round picks to take on Anderson's contract. Uh, number one, you have very few teams with the cap room right now to absorb that contract uh, without having to send something back, some salary back to the Rockets. And number two, the Rockets don't want to start sending out more future picks. They really want to keep their stash of picks um, full for the summer to figure out what they then need to spend to get LeBron. Because as we'll talk about in a little bit, the Rockets going to have to send out some assets if they want LeBron coming in this year. It's not going to, it's not going to be as simple as a straight free agent signing. So the, um, you know, having LeBron hanging over things, you, you, it's hard to get off of quote unquote bad money. Uh, it's hard to trade out assets. So not only if you're dumping Anderson, if you thought, Oh, well, let's spend a first round pick and get a Tyreek Evans or a, Lou Williams back. Well, you can't get Lou Williams back, but those types of, of, of rent the players for a first round pick, you really need to hold on to your picks. So it really makes the pursuit of LeBron this summer is going to make any kind of material trade difficult to do. Yeah, you, you said a mouthful there because I think there's a lot of great points uh, to touch on there. I mean, you know, I, I, I've racked my brain um, for weeks as far as moving Ryan Anderson. Yeah, he's had a four-game stretch here where he's been pretty strong, averaging over 14 points a game, uh, hitting over 50% from three-point range uh, during that stretch. But it was 24, 25 games before that where it was just awful. You know, I think it was around 28% from three um, and really looked like a bit of a zero out there. So really what what I've been looking at is, uh, you know, what can you do to move Ryan Anderson over the last uh, several weeks? And I got to tell you, I, I think it's as close to impossible to deal as it, uh, given the Rockets situation and the, the NBA landscape, 
um, close to impossible as you can get. I don't think there's any deal that's unmovable, um, but I think it's it's close. And I say this only because the only way they're going to be able to move him is if you can find a team that wants Ryan Anderson, the player. They absolutely want him, um, and the salary is not a factor. But I think you you just look at the the bullet points underneath of why he's so difficult to move. You know, the Rockets, like I said, can't take on the salary because of LeBron pursuit. Um, they're banking on their stars as, as recruiters. Um, so they're not going to, you know, handcuff themselves. Well, even if they don't uh, get LeBron, they want to be able to, to pursue somebody else there. Uh, the Rockets have no real assets to trade, unless you're talking about like Sergio Yule's rights, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, hey, the, now. Hey, now. <laughs> I know you're a Hartenstein guy. <laughs> don't diss my boy Yule. Yeah, okay, and Yule as well. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. But, the, you know, that second round, uh, second round pick from Miami, I believe they have next year, which is, you know, I think likely are going to be around 50 or, or somewhere in there. Uh, I, you know, I, it's just they don't have a whole lot to move. So when you consider those two things, um, you know, and the fact that, you know, even if the Rockets did have assets to move, they'd have to, to keep them in a, in a LeBron pursuit. Um, it, it's just very difficult to move him. I think it's the it, it's uh, the same reason they couldn't get Carmelo Anthony. I think Ryan Anderson's contract goes until 2020. I think if Anderson's deal had gone until 2019, they I'm not, I don't know this for sure, but I think they would have been able to land Carmelo Anthony or work something out simply because uh, that free agent class of 2000, 2019 is so coveted by so many teams. Nobody's going to want to take uh, on a $20 million deal beyond that. That's not part of, of what they would consider to be their core. So I think Anderson is extremely difficult to move. You'd have to find somebody, you know, knock on wood, a Vlade Divac or somebody who just wants Ryan Anderson, the player. <laughs> right. Look I don't know if Divac has become the avatar for horrible GM. Yeah, exactly. We're definitely looking at you, Vlade. But, you know, I think it's it's uh, that's just very difficult to do. And I think it's like what they've done in the past with, you know, Jeremy Lin's contract is – Move it when you when you absolutely have something else going on. Granted, Chris Bosh thing fell apart, but they thought they had it a done deal, and I think that's probably what they'll look at. And you know, you mentioned the the, the picks. I, I agree with you. You know, they, they I think um, Jonathan Fagan had reported, you know, citing a source that the Rockets don't want to trade their 2020 pick, and I think that's fairly obvious because if they trade that 2020 pick. Then they can't trade any, you know, they can't trade the 2019 one when that becomes eligible, can't trade 2021. Whereas once that 2018 draft passes, you've got the 2019 and the 2021 to deal. Is that correct? Exactly. That's exactly right. I think they, um, you know, I, I certainly think the Rockets are on averse to the concept of trading future first round picks, but the, just the timing, I think they, they want to wait till after the draft when, when they can trade more picks sooner while James Harden is still in his prime and not be stuck having to trade, you know, I'd rather be trading the 2019 and 2021 picks than trading the 2022 picks because, you know, then you might be looking at a, at a Rockets team that's on the downswing and that could be a decent pick. So um, I definitely think they'd they'd want to wait till after the draft to start moving first round picks. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's just, uh, you know, Daryl has, spent his career avoiding these type of contracts and has done a fabulous job doing that. And, you know, I don't blame him for signing Ryan Anderson. I, you know, I think you touched on it. We talked about it. It it was a high price to pay for him at the time, but the market, that was what it was establishing. And, uh, but I think it's just, he's become 
at least he was for a long stretch so far this season, just, uh, you know, near zero. And it, the Rockets have are doing so well. Uh, if Ryan Anderson were to turn things around, there's probably you're, you're hard pressed to find a roster where he's a better fit, frankly. Um, and so it's it's just tough to see him move. And you know, oh by the way, while you're trying to unload a twenty million dollar salary, you you can't hurt your current team in the process because they're thirty eight and thirteen. So I think so many things are working in, against Daryl Morey as far as being able to move it at the deadline. I, I would be surprised. Um, I want to ask you know before we talk about trade deadline and some targets that we could see uh, at the deadline. I want to ask you about the cap room figure this summer. I know you could go a million different variations, but what could the Rockets get to uh, as far as cap room or just, you know, what options do they have uh, as far as the way you see things unfolding? Um, sure. So right now the, the biggest constraints on the Rockets ability to, to have cap room are, uh, the, the free agent cap holds of Chris Paul, Trevor Ariza, and Clint Capella. Um, Clint Capella actually has a very cap-friendly cap hold. Uh, it's about $7 million. So as long as he doesn't sign an offer sheet, which is not a sure thing, because I think teams, the teams might come out there and be aggressive, a la Dallas Mavericks in 2014 with Chandler Parsons. Um, and, you know, you kind of have to cross your fingers and hope Clint Capella doesn't sign a, an offer sheet quickly. Um, but if he does not, he's only going to count $7 million against the cap until he signs a contract. Um, so that's fairly advantageous for the Rockets, at least in the first part of uh, a free agency. Uh, Trevor Ariza has a cap hold. Due to the, the range of where his salary is, it's not exactly clear what, what his cap hold will be. It's somewhere in the... 12 to 15 million dollar range, uh, and, and and it's unclear whether you know there's a chance Trevor might not even be back next year, especially if they if they get LeBron. Um, Tre- Trevor's situation will be interesting, but the the biggest pressure on Rockets cap room is Chris Paul's cap hold. Uh, his cap hold will be equal to the the absolute the quote unquote supermax. So over 35 million dollars will be the amount of his cap hold, making Unless the Rockets have a free-range deal with Chris Paul to pay him, to, for him to take a significant discount, he, his cap hold is really going to eat all the cap anyway. Um, and, and keep in mind that one of the advantages of the opt-in and trade with Chris Paul last summer, Chris Paul basically is making $11 million less than the max this year. You know, I'm not I'm not holding my breath that he's going to give another substantial discount to the Rockets next summer. So, um, either way, the Rockets don't expect to have very much cap room. Even if um, you cleared off Chris Paul's, Trevor Reza, Clint, uh, but you, you cleared out all these cap holds, you're only talking about like 11 million or so uh, in cap room, which is not really enough to do anything significant. And then I. I kind of random out just for, for those listeners that are, well, what if you trade this guy? What if you just dump this out? If the Rockets somehow traded and re- traded or renounced every single player on the roster except James Harden, they would only have $61 million in cap room. That maybe is enough to get LeBron and, and, and Chris Paul, and then you have nothing else. So I, I think the the uh, and that would require you to trade Ryan Anderson, to trade Eric Gordon, to trade PJ Tucker, to trade Nene, 
to trade all your minimum guys. Uh, that's not going to happen. So the bottom line is I don't expect the Rockets to have significant capper in the summer. I think they will operate over the cap. Which means as far as LeBron's case, you're looking at kind of like what they did with Chris Paul, which is the opt-in and then trade situation. I think it's been talked about a little bit uh, before, but they would have to get Cleveland to play ball in some kind of deal that would, you know, the Rockets would have to send out, you know, 25 30 to 35 somewhere in there, million dollars worth of salary uh, to acquire him, correct? Yes. And, you know, we, we were, you know, I think shortly before before free agency last year, we were, I recall us talking about the ways for us to get Chris Paul and the 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 thought never crossed my mind that Chris Paul would opt into his Clippers contract and shame on me. Um, and I'm not going to make that mistake twice. So I think that is um, a, a very viable alternative. And I think it's, it's far and away the most plausible avenue for the Rockets to get LeBron. Um, and there's actually more advantages to the Rockets with the LeBron situation this summer than with Chris Paul's situation last summer. Last summer, Chris Paul, number one, you needed to get Chris Paul to agree to take a lot less money than he could get as a free agent that summer. And then you needed to convince the Clippers, who could have had max cap room, to forego that cap room in exchange for the assets that the Rockets gave. And that's why they had to give up a first-round pick. That's why they had to give up Pat Beverly and Lou Williams, because the Clippers had other alternatives. Now, flash forward to this summer, if LeBron is clearly out the door in Cleveland. So that, this is why all the, the Lakers talk. I actually love it. Keep, keep the Lakers talk coming. You need the Lakers as a viable LeBron destination for this to work. But if, if LeBron could leave, the, uh, leave with the Lakers and the Cavs get nothing, you, you may get the Cavs to be willing to work with the Rockets. Number two... LeBron, if LeBron opts into the last year of his Cavs deal, he actually will make slightly more than the max he could get as a free agent, like about 300000 more. So he wouldn't be taking a pay cut. In fact, he'd, get, he'd be getting paid a little bit more for next season uh, if he opted in. Of course, you you know, God forbid people get hit by a bus. You, know, you don't have the long-term security of a four-year deal. But as far as next season salary there is no way he can make more money than if he opted into his, his Cavs contract. So if you can get all the stars to align there, what, what I'd describe as probably the simplest um, scenario without, you know, because like you said, there's a hundred permutations um, would be uh, like you said, you need about $28 million of outgoing salary to make it work, but it would look something like this. The Rockets would probably have to trade Ryan Anderson and multiple draft picks to probably a third team, maybe Cleveland if they really, really want those draft picks, but they have luxury tax concerns. So uh, you may need to move Anderson to a third team and you're going to have to move out assets because there's no team's going to, like we said, no team's going to take them for free. Then you could move Eric Gordon and maybe a little something extra to Cleveland's for LeBron. Um, and that three-team trade basically works under the cap. Um, essentially, Anderson, Gordon, and multiple draft picks for LeBron. Um, Cleveland, you know, why would Cleveland do it? 
they are capped out. If LeBron walks, they're still over the cap, and they can you know, they're not going to be able to replace him with anything worthwhile. Um, even if they use the full mid level, are they going to get a player as good as Eric Gordon? Probably not. Uh, Eric Gordon might represent the best return they could hope for. Add to that that LeBron has a no trade clause, so it's not like he could opt in and they can just hold him hostage and say we'll trade you wherever we want. And if for whatever reason they double cross them. I'm sure he would make next season a living hell for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So, uh, again, the basic framework, LeBron opts in, three-way trade, Anderson and picks to a third team, Eric Gordon to Cleveland, LeBron to Houston. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting scenario. I I appreciate you breaking that down. I think you can kind of see, I think at least the listeners can, as far as how that changes or, or clouds everything, for the Rockets here at this deadline. They can't um, necessarily put themselves in any kind of uh, situation that, that hurts those chances. I think they're they're banking on James Harden. They're banking on Chris Paul as far as being, uh, you know, superstar recruiters as well, uh, you know, Chandler Parsons-level kind of guys, right? So I think that, uh, you know, they're hoping that, that uh, you know, they'll be able to do work this summer to, to uh, you know, add that third star. So let's talk about the deadline. You know, we can even, uh, if you want, I'll let you pick somebody, and I'll, I'll I'll throw a name out there. But just, you know, there could be pure speculation. But guys, you think make sense as far as trade uh, trade targets here at this deadline for the Rockets, given their restrictions, given what they hope to do in the summer. Uh, who do you think, you know, is one guy that you could uh, that you could list as far as who they would pursue? Um. The, the guys I'm thinking of are these are very minor fringe fringe roster type moves because I really think that it's going to be hard to improve on the rotation. And you're looking, you're probably looking for guys to kind of shore up, um, you know, injury replacement type guys. Um, you know, one name that that comes to mind um, is uh, Jameer Nelson. Uh, who was just traded to Chicago in the uh, Nikola Meritic trade. Um, you know, th- there's a chance he might get bought out and he could be one of those buyout market guys. And I know we'll touch on, touch on the buyout market in a little bit. Um, but if the Rockets just went ahead and, and, and traded for him now, they can make sure that they do get him because he did turn us down earlier this season when, they, when the Rockets tried to get him early in the season when Chris Paul went down. Um, that way, you just make sure you get your guy. You know, I like Nelson as a, as a kind of an emergency third point guard, a steady hand, a guy who can probably accept his role, be a good locker room guy, a good leader. Um, you know, something like that. Um, another, another kind of minor deal, and this this very indirectly dovetails with the LeBron situation, uh, would be possibly taking uh, Jose Calderon off the Cavs' hands. Um, he's also only making the minimum, you know, the Rockets would only have to pay him like the remaining half a million dollars on his contract. Um, and meanwhile, and, and, and by the way, to give a little context for all this right now, the Rockets are about $2.7 million below the luxury tax. So even if they take on a full season minimum salary, which is like 1.5, they'll be fine. They could even still do a buyout guy and, and, and stay under the luxury tax. But so it only costs the, the Rockets about, half a million in remaining salary to call their own. Meanwhile, the Cavs are so far above the luxury tax, dealing just a minimum contract like Calderones would save the Cavaliers six million dollars. 
Um, and if nothing else, the Rockets probably need to engender as much goodwill with Cleveland as they can. That would sure be a good head start. Those are great ideas, by the way. I think that both of them are, are really sound. You know the Rockets had interest in Jameer Nelson before. Uh, I, I did look at him as a buyout candidate, but I think you make an interesting point as far as uh, just being able to go out there and just acquire him. Uh, I, you know, it's interesting. I know the Rockets, it's been reported that they're kind of looking for guard help, uh, you know, maybe a, a backup guard who is okay with being that fourth guy who doesn't play when everyone's healthy but is kind of some insurance uh you know, when some guys go down, and I think you nailed two guys in Jameer Nelson and Calderon who both could be that kind of player, guys who just sit on the bench but can play in a pinch. I, you know, and maybe this goes against what the Rockets are thinking, but I kind of have a different opinion. I really feel what they need is a big. I feel Nene has been, uh, I'm trying to be kind here, I just don't think he's been very good this year. I think he's had a few good games. Um, but I don't think it's, I don't think he's been very good this year. <clears throat> I'm not a fan of Tark Black. I, I, I had hopes for him this year. I don't think he's fitting, uh, extremely well. And, you know, I think you've made a good point before about it. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't play very often. He's in a unique role where he's basically just playing when Nene is, is resting. And so, yeah, it's a tough spot. I feel like the Rockets need a big, uh, you know, and I think that's maybe that comes in the, in the buyout market, but I want to throw a name out there who I think is interesting. Uh, and that's Ed Davis uh, with the Blazers. I think he makes around six million or so, um, uh, you know, and he's an expiring deal. The Blazers, you know, I think that he would be, uh, you would think on the market an asset, but the Blazers are kind of in that situation where they're about three million over the luxury tax line. They want to, they want to get under. Um, and you know, he's a lefty. He's a guy who's a terrific rebounder. Uh, I think he'd be really good on the pick and roll and and and, and throwing down dunks. Um, I think he would fit in well uh, in that sort of role. Maybe, you know, sort of a hybrid between Nene and, and uh, Tariq Black as far as, you know, his minutes. Um, and I'll, since you threw out two, I'll throw out another one out there I think is Mo Spates with Orlando, $2.1 million expiring. Um, that, uh, as a matter of fact, Deuce of the board is the one who, who actually suggested that. And I thought, you know, that's a really, really good catch, especially after he, I think he hit four of seven from three against the Rockets here at, at Toyota Center. Um I think he's an interesting guy as well. Just provides you a little bit of Ryan Anderson insurance because, you know, when Ryan Anderson's out, the Rockets, uh, they, they have to go with really, uh, you know, wings at the four. They, they, they don't really have much of a, a four option. I think most Spates has got range. Uh, he can score inside. He's, he's kind of a big body. Um, so those are two names I think, you know, that are low-end expirings. They don't hurt you long-term. Um, the Rockets might be able to be creative and, and acquire those guys without having to give up too much. Maybe it does cost you Miami's uh, second-round pick. If, if you value that, I mean, then maybe that's uh, this is a, a type of trade for you. But I think that, you know they might be able to acquire uh, one of those two on the cheap. No, there's some good ideas. I've always been a Davis fan. He's a, a great rebounder. Um, you know, maybe gives you you know, 80% of what a Clint Capella might be able to give you. Um, and then Spates, yeah, is a great shooter. Not much of a defender, but uh, he's a nice offensive threat. Uh, so you, so for Davis, you'd be looking at a package or uh, target black salary and, and then a the, the little the minimum filler or something. Yeah, you know, I think you'd have to be, uh, you'd have to be creative, right? Because they have to save $3 million. As you mentioned, the Rockets are $2.7 million. 
away from the luxury tax line themselves, and and I highly doubt they're gonna uh, flirt just with that line or go over it. Um, you know, unless it's the, the Rockets. I, I would be the Rockets are not paying luxury taxes here. I would be shocked. Sure. They so would there have you go. to so get that answers that a third star to to, to go into luxury tax. Exactly. That, that's what I would have assumed as well. That it would take some sort of you know great acquisition. So they're not going to pay the luxury tax for a guy like Ed Davis, but you know could they could they get close to there and 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 take some salary off the Blazers? Maybe you have to get a, a three team deal to be creative. But I just feel like that that they the, the Blazers do need to make some type of move uh, where somebody can absorb salary and it's close enough around three million there, two point seven here. Uh, that you have a, as far as padding, um, that maybe you could you make something happen. He's all, I just know he's a guy uh, that interests me. Uh, his rebounding rate is up there with Capella's, to be told, to be frank. Um, and uh, you know that's that's just somebody that I think strikes me as a, a potential acquisition. You know there are some other names as far as guys who are available. Um, Willie uh, Hernan Gomez is out there. As far as different positions, I mean, you've got uh, Rodney Hood, who's going to be probably dealt. Um, Tyreek Evans, who's certainly a hot uh, name on the market. He's having a great year. I'm not sure, frankly, how Evans would fit in a on a team that's extremely successful like the Rockets and and, and playing a role as opposed to just sort of that ball dominant guard that that he's playing right now with a uh, a Memphis team that's certainly underperforming this year. Um, but still, I think he's. Um, having a great year and a lot of teams are interested in him. Um, even Derek favors. Uh, I think it's around a $12 million expiring contract is, is interesting. I don't know if he necessarily fits with the Rockets. Robin Lopez was a name that I, I thought about. He's got uh, 14 million on the books for next year um, alone. So you, it would have to be some type of, uh, you know, Ryan Anderson deal, but that's like I said, extremely difficult to make, to make happen. But those are some names I, you know, I think, that interests me that are that are just kind of out there. You know, I think whether Chan, if Channing Frye and Amon Schumpert uh, get get dealt, maybe those guys uh, become possibilities. But uh, after that, it's hard to find names that are really I think that jump out at you as far as ac- rocket acquisitions, given all of their limitations. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, number one, where would you play the guys? Because we 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 have such a nice rotation as it is, especially when everyone's healthy. Uh, so getting a guy, especially if you're giving up that Miami pick to acquire a player who's just never going to play for you, may not be the best use of assets. Um, you know, if they're if they're not going to be inserted into the rotation. And then also, if you're talking about anyone making more than the minimum, you know, guys in the five six million dollar range, the the likeliest contract the Rockets would would include in such a trade would be Tarek Black. He uh, he signed. Um, last summer for one year at the biannual exception, which is about $3.3 million. And an um, uh, interesting little tidbit with his contract, and it directly relates to this week, is that um, you know, a little unusual for the Rockets to give this out, but Tariq Black has a 15% trade kicker in his contract. And um, you know, good job by his agent. I don't know whether how directly it was discussed between his agent and the team, but knowing how active uh, the Rockets are at every trade deadline, I'm sure they, Black's camp had to consider the fact that his contract would probably be expendable, uh, and they negotiated for that 15% trade kicker. And the fact that the Rockets were willing to give it to him may be an indication that they viewed this as a uh, they viewed his contract as a as a movable asset or something that would facilitate 
um, you know, one of these types of slightly larger trades. Um, and just to give you a little perspective, the 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 remaining it's 15% of the remaining salary on his one year deal. So if he gets moved on the trade deadline, the Rockets would have to pay Tark like a trade kicker of about 175,000. So not a bad uh, day's work for Tark if he gets traded on Thursday. <laughs> He's definitely not going to complain at, at that point. No, no doubt. Um, you know, before I let, before we wrap up, I want to um, talk to you a little bit about the buyout candidates. Cause I think that's where the Rockets can make some hay you know, if they if they strike out at, at the deadline or just you know don't don't pull the trigger, then certainly they're going to be a top uh, target. We saw the Celtics um, get Greg Monroe, uh, paid five million because they had an injury exception, uh, five million to get him. I think the Pelicans are are, are obviously out there looking for uh, players. Um, you know, Warriors, Rockets, all these these top teams are going to be trying to acquire some of the buyout talent, and there will be talent. I mean, I think some of the names that you, you kick around right now are Brooke Lopez, uh, Joakim Noah, although that's going to be awfully painful for the Knicks if it happens. Uh, Tyson Chandler, though he's got another full year on his deal. I'm not sure Phoenix wants to do that. Uh, Tony Allen's definitely a name that's being thrown out there. Who do, who do you think, who, who's sort of the guy you're eyeing as far as a Rockets buyout candidate? Um, well, Jameer Nelson, who I mentioned before, if he gets bought out, I think the Rockets would definitely have interest. Um, yeah, but the big man, you know, maybe Bogut. I don't think there's much smoke to, to all the stuff about linking Bogut and the Rockets. It, 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 he, it's just a guy who happens to be a good rim protector. He might be an option as far as a big man. But I, I'm more inclined, uh, at, just like Jonathan Fagan's piece, um, saying the Rockets might have more interest in, the, in another guard. Uh, I, I'm more interested in the guard. I just think the the small lineups the Rockets can run with Anderson or Tucker at center, even Bamute at center. Um, the, it's not like the Rockets need to have three or four traditional centers on the roster. I think I'm a little more confident in, in how set the Rockets are at the center position than you are, Dave. Um, but I think the Jameer Nelson type, maybe a Tony Allen if you just want to spot, you know, got to throw out there for spot defensive minutes. Um, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where I, I just want to see who's out there first. Unfortunately, the Rockets are at a competitive disadvantage. While they definitely have the allure of, you know, uh, the, of ring chasers to to come get a spot and and go after a ring. Um, you know, you you also have ring chasing spots. You know, the the Warriors might open up a spot for a buyout candidate. Uh, I think in in both Golden State and Houston, whoever signs there's not going to have a guarantee of much playing time, if any. Uh, then you also have a financial um, disadvantage. That this has happened to be a year in which a lot of players went down uh, for the season with injuries, and so some playoff teams have been granted disabled player exceptions uh, that are a fairly sizable amounts. Um, you just saw that the, the Celtics used a, a very large disabled player exception they got from the Gordon Hayward injury that's what gave them the leg up to get Greg Monroe. Um, uh, I think New Orleans has has one. Uh, uh, the Heat have one. A couple other teams have one as well. Meanwhile, the Rockets, the, all the Rockets can offer is the prorated veterans minimum, which is you know about seven hundred thousand, something like that. So, and that's just for the the ten plus year veterans. 
So they're at a financial disadvantage, but they really are going to have to use the whole ring chasing aspect to, to, to try to draw guys. And I'm sure they'll get their, I'm sure they'll have several options. Yeah, I, I think um, they'll certainly, you know, as far as what you mentioned on Bogut, I agree with you. From what I've been told, I don't think there's anything to that. I don't think, uh, you know, Bogut has a history of not wanting to play for the Rockets, uh, and Bogut did, did not look good with the Lakers. Didn't, you know, just didn't play well there. And I, I think um, that that's not going to be something that happens. You know, and again, I'm looking at big names as far as the big guys. We don't know what's going to happen with Noah Chandler. Chandler does have some, Tyson Chandler has some history with uh, Chris Paul. Uh, from New Orleans, um, you know, I, I I would love to get Tyson Chandler here. There's no doubt about that. I often would one of the trade scenarios I would look at was uh, Tyson Chandler and Jared Dudley for Ryan Anderson. But I, you know, I just can't see Phoenix doing that again, given the the 2019 free agency situation. So, uh, yeah, buyout candidates. They, I think, if I'm not mistaken, you you said this, they have one real slot to add a buyout guy. Is that not correct? Yeah, they, they they have one open roster spot right now, and they they can always clear a second one if they want to. the The problem with that is they don't really have anyone that they can readily waive. The two most likely options from a player perspective to be waived would be Troy Williams or Chinano Anuaku, um, and both of those guys have guaranteed money owed to them next season. And if the Rockets expect to be a luxury tax team, the last thing they want is dead money on the cap because essentially each dollar of dead money, you have to look at like your last dollar of salary and you're going to be paying luxury tax on that dead money. So if they, if they cut one of those two, they're going to probably end up paying luxury tax on the guaranteed money that they owed them. It's just, it's not a cost effective move, which is one reason don't be surprised if you might see them trade Williams or Anuaku in a small deal where they, you know, pay someone to take one of those guys, if for no other reason than to open up another roster spot. That's only if you really want, if they're really in it to add, you know, two buyout guys. I I think one buyout guy is probably enough, but, you know, you might see a little move like that at the deadline if they really want to open up that extra roster spot. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, especially considering D'Antoni is uh, pretty set on his rotation right now with around nine guys, I think, you're, you're, it's going to take somebody, a strong buyout candidate, to crack that. So uh, yeah, two of them might be might be difficult. But this is the week, man. We'll see what they do to to improve. I um, I look forward to the trade deadline always. Daryl is always active. Has 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 made deals at the deadline numerous times. Uh, but this really is a unique situation. And I think um, you know we're <clears throat> really living the dream right now as Rocket fans. You know we're, we're we've gotten. James Harden and Chris Paul and talking about the possibility of LeBron James. So it's pretty uh, absurd right now that the Rockets uh, are this good and have sort of become this location for a potential super team. So, uh, David, thanks so much for doing this. We'll we'll talk some more, hopefully. Uh, I would love to have you back after the the deadline and after the buyout period where, you know, some of these guys get get, uh, bought out and are are looking for teams and we can talk about what the Rockets are doing moving forward. Nothing would give me more pleasure, Dave. (laughs) Thanks again, David. It really is always a pleasure, man. And like I said, we'll do it soon. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it.